you're watching online, I'm glad you've tuned in with us online as well. Um, even if it's not your first time, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I don't really know where you're at on your journey personally. You might be, you know, I don't believe in God. There is no God. Or maybe you're like a full-on Jesus freak. You've got the DC Talk tattoo right there behind your shoulder. I don't know. Wherever you're at in those parameters, I'm just glad you're here this morning. And I hope that what I have to say this morning you would be open to because I think what Scripture has for us is really important. Um, I haven't been here since, I think, Memorial Weekend. And I just have to say, like, you guys look like you've been having a good summer. Everybody looks really tan. They look really refreshed. I can see some of you have been swimming. I can still smell the chlorine a little bit. If I, yep. So some of you have pools. Thanks for the invite. Maybe next summer. But I'm glad you're here this morning, all jokes aside. So I want to start out. I have a story about my son, Luca, and he's two, so this should be pretty good. You know, terrible twos, am I right? Um, so he loves popsicles, right? And why wouldn't he love popsicles? They're great. But he doesn't just love popsicles. He loves either the blue or the red popsicle. And that is not important to the story, but what is, is he wakes up every morning just about, and he stomps on in, flat foots it to the kitchen, and points at the freezer and looks at me or my wife, and he can't say popsicle, so he goes, this, 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 that's it. That's what he needs right now is a popsicle. And obviously, I, I think to, I'm an okay parent. I don't give him a popsicle at 7.30 in the morning. But in the afternoon, sometimes he'll have a popsicle. Or in these special, very rare occasions for a two-year-old, when he throws a tantrum, he gets a popsicle because I know that that might cheer him up. If he's throwing a fit and screaming and doing whatever he does, and I say, hey, buddy, do you want a popsicle? He'll almost always go, yeah, yeah, popsicle, or this, because he can't say popsicle. I don't know why I said that. And we'll go in... He'll get the popsicle and he like, he, he shakes it off and he's good and he's eating his popsicle, but then he finishes it and it's gone and he needs another popsicle. But in his mind, that's all he needed to cheer up. That was what was going to make everything better. He just needed a popsicle, but then once he finished it, he needed another one. And he's a big red or blue popsicle guy. How many of you are green popsicle guys like me? You like the green popsicles. All right, that's what I'm talking about. So. He thinks these popsicles, these things are going to sustain him, that this is all he needs to feel better, but when it's gone, he realizes that he needs it again. That wasn't enough to make things better. But like I said, he's two, so obviously that makes sense, but we're adults. We don't, we don't do that, right? Man, if I just had a couple hundred more bucks in my paycheck every week, I would be set. Man, if I just, if I just had a nicer car, that would fix everything. I would be better. Man, if God, I... I have been single for so long. If you would please just send someone to me, they will make me complete. Because that's what I think I need right now. And we think we know what's going to sustain us because we're only thinking about the moment right now and we end up chasing things that will only satisfy us temporarily. And I don't think that that's necessarily always from a bad place. I mean, we all want our lives to have some sort of meaning, to matter, to have made a difference. We hope that you know, if we die, we'll be missed. And maybe that's why you're here this morning or maybe that's why you're watching online is because you're looking for something. You hope that you'll be missed. You hope that, you know, your funeral will be packed with people that you've, you've made a difference in their lives and you've made an impact while you're here on this earth and so that you'll have lived a life that matters. And a lot of times we think all of these obstacles that we feel like we have or these things maybe we feel like we don't have keep us from living this life with meaning, keep us from really living a life with purpose. And it's, it's interesting because Jesus is talking to this crowd of people, as we saw in the video, and they're looking for life. 
but not just to be alive, but to live a life with meaning. And, and like I said, we can relate to that. But for this crowd, we see that maybe what they think they're after isn't what they truly need. So we've been going through chapters 3 through 6 in John, and Jesus has been a pretty guy up to, pretty busy guy up to this point. I'm sure he was pretty as well. But we've seen him revealed in this 4K clarity so far as life, the bridegroom, a worker, Messiah, healer, God, and Abel. And as we're wrapping up this series through chapters 3 through 6, um, we're trying to see Jesus in this 4K clarity. It's the highest revolu- resolution we can get on our TVs right now. It's crystal clear clarity, and I think this is really important. So if you've missed any of those other messages, you can check those out online, or if you're like me and you like podcasts, we do have a podcast as well. But to wrap this series up, we need to see Jesus revealed one more time as the bread of life. And I think revealing Jesus and giving this kind of clarity is incredibly important because, and this is our big idea this morning, what you believe about Jesus will determine what you are looking for. And that's in this life and the next. And so having an accurate understanding of Jesus and who he is isn't just important so that you can say you know all this stuff or I'm well-read in my Bible, but this is a crucial filter into how you interact with people, what you desire, the things that you're chasing living a life of obedience to God and his word, what you believe about who he is changes everything. And so we pick up here in John, and Jesus says he just fed the 5,000, he's multiplying the fish and loaves, you know, casual stuff for a fully man, fully God individual, walked on water. But it's pretty cool when you realize this crowd, these people, they firsthand, they've either seen or they've heard from someone about these miracles, these healings, these teachings that Jesus has performed. And whether they've seen it or heard it from someone, it's followed by some form of belief. They recognize this Jesus guy is different. But Jesus is going to call this crowd out almost immediately for why they're really seeking after him. It says in the beginning of the section that they went to Tiberias, and Tiberias is where he had fed them just the day before. Um, They saw the disciples leave on the boat, and they recognized Jesus was not on that boat. So they set off for Capernaum, and then they noticed only one boat had left. Like I said, Jesus wasn't on that boat. So when they find him, they're like, wait a minute, how did you get over here? Like, you weren't on the boat that left, and we didn't see any other boats go. And obviously in the text, we know he walked on water, and we're familiar with that. But they wouldn't have known that, and he exposes their motivation when he tells them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They just wanted more bread. They were hungry. Only thing on their mind was what they thought they needed right now in that moment. If you could just keep supplying us with food to eat, oh, that, that would be it, Jesus. That is exactly what we need. But aren't I like that sometimes? Aren't we like that sometimes? I mean, Jesus, if you could just do this for me, I would be set because, man, when I woke up this morning, if I could have just got one hour of sleep, if I had a red Mustang with all the bells and whistles and the top back, just me, If I had all of the Yeezy Kanye tennis shoes with all the colorways, man, oh, that would be awesome. I would be set. Could you just hook me up, do me this solid? What is it for you? Because when I think about these things, I realize I'm not that much different from this crowd. Now, in the original Greek, which is the language that this gospel was written in, the word for life Jesus uses when talking about food, which brings eternal life, is Zoe. And this is important because there's another Greek word for life, bios. You think like biology is the study of living things. So bios, it's the life we live or lifespan. There's nothing 
extra about it. It's just, I'm alive. I have life, so I have bios. But zoe is how this is written, and zoe is life abundant. It's fullness of life. This would have had a special meaning to this Greek audience that it was written to. Jesus is trying to tell them, I haven't come to just show you life, but to show you how to have fullness of life, life abundantly, eternal life. And with Jesus, there's so much more than just getting by every day. But they just wanted bread. They were hungry, and that's all they could think about. And I mean, why wouldn't they? I mean, that was the best they thought they could get was unlimited food. But Jesus says, no, I have zoe. I have eternal life, fullness of life. I think it can be easy for us sometimes to forget that. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus in this room, don't worry. You're not any different from us. If we're really honest with ourselves deep down, most of the time we just want a God that's going to provide for us. And that's it. But he has more than just bread, or as it says in the scripture, food that perishes. And so he's talking to this crowd of people, and we see three different reactions that they kind of go through. Um, The first reaction that we see is that they're seeking. So, like I said, these people were seeking life. And it wasn't like Jesus had to do a whole lot of convincing to them of who he was at first. Remember, most of them had seen or heard all of these miracles and things that he had done. So naturally, when he tells them they should be working for this food that endures eternal life, which the Son of Man will bring you, they want to know, okay, what do I got to do? Now, I'm not much of a runner, but if, if I was training for a marathon, I probably wouldn't know what to do or how to prepare myself for that. So if I show my training schedule to someone who has done this and has been successful at it, and they say, hey man, you probably should be doing this if you want to succeed at that. You probably should be doing this if you want to do this well. I'm not just going to be like, hey, cool, good advice, and walk away. No, I'm going to ask, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to be successful at this? I don't want to just get by. I want to I finish. I want to finish the race. I want to be good at this race. And we've all been there. Maybe you're there now. You're looking for something. There has to be more than just getting by every day. There has to be purpose in this life. And a lot of times we seek and search and find answers in all the wrong places. And these people heard Jesus telling them, no, what you're seeking isn't what you need. You need this, this food that endures eternal life. So when they ask him, okay, what do we got to do for that? He tells them in verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. All right, cool. Believe in Jesus. I mean, they've seen him do all these things. Next Sunday, see you guys. We're good to go. No. They heard all these incredible things. They'd seen all these incredible things Jesus has done, but they still have doubts. Verse 30 picks up, it says, So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. This is the same Jesus. I mean, forget everything he's done up to this point. He just fed you yesterday, multiplying the fish and loaves, and you didn't have any problems wanting to make him king so he could keep your belly full. But now because what you're saying to me isn't really what I think I'm looking for, I'm going to need you to just prove yourself one more time, Jesus. If you could just, you know, show me a sign, because I'm not really sure that's what I'm looking for. I'm not really sure what you're saying is, is good. It's kind of like you go to someone for advice, and you don't really want to know their opinion. You just want them to say what you want to hear so that you feel validated. They were looking for something, and Jesus was trying to tell them no, and they wanted proof because, well, I'm really just looking for bread, okay? And the thing with this manna from heaven, like, Moses didn't do that. God sent the bread. The the Israelites, they woke up and it was there. They didn't have to do anything for it. And Jesus tells them that this bread of God that comes down, this is what's going to give them this zoe full life to the world. 
all right, Jesus will give us this bread. And this is where he reveals himself in that 4K clarity when he tells them, I am the bread of life. And he calls them out. He says, you've seen me, yet you still don't believe. I mean, he's done all of these things. And this is when we kind of see them. They, they, they've sought him out. They were seeking. And now he's given them something kind of to wrestle with, and they're struggling. This same Jesus still, not a different Jesus, still the only one. And he tells them he's the bread of life. And then, yeah, right. This is Joseph's kid. Isn't this that carpenter boy down the street? I live four houses down from him. I saw him, his mom changing his diapers. Now he's heaven sent? Really? I mean, they thought they knew this guy, this Jesus that was from where they were from. And now they're faced with this struggle. He's saying, no, the Father has sent me. And their faith is challenged. Let me just say, it's easy to look at this text. I mean, when I'm reading this, preparing for this message, I'm reading this text, and I'm like, man, how in the world can they doubt him? Like, he's done all these things, and if I, I feel like if I would have seen him do all these things and perform all these miracles, I'd have no problem believing. But then I realized, like, uh, well, you know, God has a way of really humbling you, and I realize I know who he is. I know what he's done. And yet, a lot of times in life, I still am like, Really? I look up and I'm, really, God? There are things in this life that we have to wrestle with, and we've all been there. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you have a friend, family member, or someone close to you who's wrestling, really struggling with something that has to do with faith. And I think we can all agree over the last few years, like, we've all struggled to a degree about something. Christians aren't in agreement on things that are really probably more simple than we make them out to be. We see pastors with moral failures, embezzling money. We see people doing horrible things and doing them in Jesus' name. And these people that don't believe in God that we should be trying to reach and people that are kind of in a walk with God but aren't 100% sure, they have to look at that and they have to think to themselves, is that what the church is really like? Is that what following Jesus looks like? I mean, every, even true believers have struggles. None of us are perfect. I mean, raise your hand if at one point in your life you've ever struggled with something that the Bible teaches. I'll put my hand up. Yeah, I mean, some of this stuff is hard. Sometimes truth is hard. And if you have seasons where you struggle with something or you're wrestling with doubt, I just want you to know, like, it's okay. And it's maybe even normal. I mean, Paul says in Galatians, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. So we're constantly in a battle with our flesh. And this doesn't just mean like I'm always tempted, but this is with doubts too. And you don't have to feel guilty or shameful when you struggle or have doubts. I mean, I believe that this is God's word and that it is true. And I recognize that my doubts and struggles, they're not rooted from my doubt and who he is, but from a lack of understanding what the text is telling me. And I'll never know everything because the only person that's all-knowing is God himself. But I can always strive to understand more and more as I grow and as I spend more time in his word and around other Christians who challenge me to grow, who challenge me to wrestle with these things and to become a better follower of him, which is exactly what this crowd does next. They're striving to understand. And Jesus tells them, eat my flesh and drink my blood. If somebody comes up to me and they say, hey, I'm Christ, eat my flesh, drink my blood, I'm calling the cops. Like, I, I mean... That's face value, it's a little weird. But if someone told me that, that's what I would do. But it says they dispute among themselves. They're, they're striving to understand what this means because like us, they're probably thinking, wait, wait, he just said what? How is this guy gonna give us his flesh 
to eat. Do I even want to eat his flesh? Is there garlic butter I can dip it? Like, what, what is going on here? Some of them probably think he's crazy, and they've taken this literally. But the thing is, is he's talking about this eat my flesh, drink my blood. He's talking with physical terms to describe something to them that's spiritual. And this is hard to understand, and that's why they're striving to understand it, because what he's talking about, eating flesh and drinking blood, to drink his blood in a spiritual sense would be to um, understand and believe that his atoning death that he endures on the cross is what drinking his blood is, because his blood is going to be shed. But this hasn't happened yet. So they don't have, they don't know that. They don't know that that is what is to come. There is no crucifixion yet here. There's no communion for them to partake in in remembrance of him because it hasn't happened yet. And so they're really struggling with this. And it's not always as weird as trying to understand what eating my flesh means. Sometimes we strive to understand things because we're faced with a hard truth. And man, I don't get that at first, but I'm going to try my best to try to figure out and understand this better because your word says this, but the world says that. And they seem to be a little different, and I'm just trying to figure out where in this the truth is. And so I'm going to strive to try to understand this better, because right now I'm just not getting it. I'm not really struggling. This is different from seeking or struggling. You aren't looking for something. You found it, and you're not struggling with it as truth, but you're earnestly trying to understand something better. Or maybe even something has happened in your life where you're going through something, and you, you've read in Romans where it says we know that for those who, God, who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But right now, it's hard to see how this season of life or this situation is good for his purpose. And you're striving to understand, like, God, why is this happening right now? I want to understand your will. I'm trying to understand. But right now, it's just a little hard. And so wherever you are among those three things, whether you're seeking, you're struggling, or you're striving, you're faced with a decision, just like this crowd was faced with a decision. It says many of the disciples claimed that what he was saying was a hard saying, and I can't blame them for thinking that. They had wrongly interpreted what he was teaching them to be literal. But Jesus explains to them further that it is the spirit that gives life, gives this zoe, fullness of life, eternal life. He has spoken life to these people, and he recognizes that some, they still don't believe him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. Because God does the work of drawing us in. When we come to him, when we're met with conviction, if you're a believer in this room, you know, like there wasn't anything you did. This wasn't of your own doing. He plays a role in this. And these are Jesus' words, that nobody comes to him unless it is granted by the Father. Even earlier in the same passage, he says that it's the Father that draws you in. God gives us the ability to place our trust in Christ. And this crowd, it says many turned away and departed. They were faced with this. They were looking for something. He kind of pointed out, no, it's not what you're looking for. You need this. They struggled with it. They tried to understand better. And they just they gave up. They quit. Even though Jesus is telling them, God wants to enable you. He isn't causing anyone to not come to him. But they walked away. And Peter recognizes this, and when he does, he gives the answer that brings more of that 4K clarity of Jesus as the bread of life. Now remember, if you know anything about Peter, he's had some pretty spectacular triumphs, but he's also had some pretty spectacular failures as well. It, but in this moment, Jesus asks the 12, are you going to leave too? 
They've all walked away. Are you leaving me too? And you have to think what he might have been feeling at this moment. I mean, yes, he's God, but he's also fully human. If you're talking to a crowd of thousands and you're trying to share with them words of eternal life and they all walk away, that's tough. You can't act like it's not. That's, that had to stink. But what Peter says to him is really encouraging. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And when we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God, it's clear that Peter recognizes that Jesus is Lord. He is the bread of life. He holds the words to Zoe, to eternal life. Who else am I going to go to, God? Jesus? I mean, everything you just said, I'm going to be honest, it's kind of crazy, and I don't understand it, but I know who you are. And they can all walk away, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay here with you. So where are you today? Are you the crowd? Are you Peter? Are you somewhere in between? What do you believe about Jesus and who he is? This is the last message of this series, like I, had, I said before, which means over the last six weeks, we've seen him as bridegroom, Messiah, worker, healer, God, Abel, and now today as the bread of life. He is all of these things and more, and each time he reveals himself, we're met with the same question. Do you believe? Because what you believe about Jesus determines what you're looking for. What are you hoping for or looking for in life? Are you looking to just have this bios, just be alive and make it every day? Maybe, hey, maybe you're so busy. Life is so busy right now to the point where you can't even pause to think like, maybe there's more than this. Maybe there's something better. There has to be more than this endless cycle of just getting through my schedule and my routine week by week by week. I mean, pause and think right now, is there more? Is this what I really want? God draws us to Jesus, and maybe today he's drawing you in. Maybe today you finally recognize this Jesus guy is who he says he was, and God has enabled you to understand, and you're ready to take that next step. Maybe you've got questions, things you aren't sure of or you're struggling with. If that's you, you can text your name to what's going to be on the screen behind me or email it, but honestly, there will be people up here in the front, and I'll be up here in the front as well. We can help answer your questions. We can pray with you. We can help you get ready to make the best decision ever and be baptized today. You don't have to wait another day, and you don't have to struggle with these things alone. There are people here that can help and walk alongside you. And if you're a believer in this room, how you doing? Are we believing that relationships, neighbors, that yourself can be healed? All of it begins with this clarity of who Jesus is. Are we finding rest in him because he's God? Are we allowing him to increase in our flesh, ourselves to decrease? As we kind of begin to shift from the message into this communion time, remember his saving grace and finished work on the cross. But let's take a moment also to reflect on who he is while we remember what he's done. Because, like I said, what you believe about Jesus determines what you're looking for. It changes everything. It takes you from going after these things and going after a convertible Mustang to what really matters in life. Because we can look at people and see what they have and we think to ourselves, oh, it must be nice. That'd be nice if I had that. That'd be nice if I made that much but none of it sustains you. None of it is 
eternal. It's all temporary. and It's only things that we're thinking right now because we're not thinking about the end game. So if you got um, a cup at the door, there's juice and there's bread, and this is that thing that he's saying, eat my flesh, drink my blood. We're going to do this in remembrance of him because of what he has done for us, for all of us. And if you're not a believer in this room, you can take this moment and you can reflect. You can think about what you've heard today. You can quietly ask God, you know, what are you trying to reveal to me today? And there will be people up at the front, like I said, who can pray with you or answer any of your questions. Let me pray for us. Hey God, I, um, man, I just thank you for sending your son to the cross and just doing what I could never accomplish. I thank you for giving us the words to this life, to live it fully and to know you eternally. And I just, I pray that the people in this room, you've been revealed to them and that they would accept you and that you would enable them to come to you. Anything on the hearts and the minds of the people in this room, God, I just lift them up to you. Ask that your presence overwhelms them so that they just know you're there. It's all these things in your son's name I pray. Amen.